Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'afiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyi'ati amalina man yahdihillah falamudillalah wa man yudlil falantajida lahu waliyan murshida wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahadu al-qahhar wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون. Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides, there is none that can misguide him. And he whom Allah تبارك وتعالى leads astray, there is none that can guide him except through the will and permission of Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 31 in our reading of a tafsir. Now, verse 19 and verse 20 are connected. Right, they're talking about the same topic at hand, and the issue that we have is that because of daylight savings, some people don't know that the lesson is now after Maghrib and not after Isha. Now, if you're watching this at home, you've missed out. Now, the yeah, this is the first lesson after daylight savings, so there has to be a little bit of rahmah, you know what I mean? There has to be a little bit of mercy in this regard. So, today. We're going, we're going to take, insha'Allah, verse 19, and let's see how we go by the end of it, bi'idnillah. And this is in continuation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about who? The munafiqeen. And these two verses, these last two verses, are the conclusion of this set of verses that are in regards to the munafiqeen. How many are there? Ah, come, not just guesses. Inshallah, the only part that is left after concluding these two verses is why did an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not destroy and kill the munafiqeen that he knew were the traitors amongst his community? These were people who were causing a lot of mischief on the earth. These were people who were causing allegations to people who had done no crimes like Aisha radiallahu anha. These are the people who are causing a lot of problems for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we have to go through what the ulama have stated regarding this and also the characteristics of the munafiqeen as an overview. What are the characteristics of the munafiqeen as an overview? That's what remains insha'Allah in these last two verses. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, in verse 19 of Surah Al-Baqarah, He says, أو كصيب من السماء فيه ظلمات ورعد وبرق يجعلون يجعلون أصابعهم في آذانهم من الصواعق حذر الموت والله محيط بالكافرين Or like a rainstorm from the sky wherein is darkness, thunder, and lightning. They thrust their fingers in their ears to keep out the stunning thunderclap for fear of death. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever encompasses the disbelievers. 
Now, over here, Imam At-Tabari, rahimahullah, he says that the word aw is used here, and generally this means or. In the Arabic language, aw means or. However, Imam At-Tabari, rahimahullah, he says over here, it takes on the meaning of wa, which means and. So over here, the scholars are in two separate opinions. Whether these two verses are connected so the example of light of the munafiqeen is like those who kindle a fire the previous verse and they are like those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in this verse or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that they are like those that the believers can say jazakallah khair wa ahsanallahu ilayk or you can say that they are like those who kindle the fire and the example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives or the believers can say that they are like this two separate things Two separate parables. Some scholars say that this is regarding the different types of munafiqeen. That they are either like this or some of them are either like this. In the sense that not all of the munafiqeen are the same in their treachery and in their disbelief. So some of them completely disbelieve and some of them genuinely believe and disbelieve. It's all over the place. So... Over here, either it means that you can use one of the two examples for the munafiqeen, for the hypocrites, or it means that they are like this and they are like this. With me? They are either like this or like this. And this is again, what is this like? What's the word that we use? This type of method? A paragon, right? A paragon of the Quran. So this example that is given in regard to the hypocrites is connected to the previous verse. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, كَصَيِّب It is like the sayyib. Now what is the sayyib? In the Arabic language, Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, who died in the year 516, he says that it is rain. It is rain. Others have said that which is from the sky. That which is from the sky. But rain is the most common meaning. Al-Matar is the most common meaning of sayyib. And this is why in Sahih al-Bukhari, we find the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, where she stated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would see the rain, then he would say, Allahumma sayyiban nafi'a. Allahumma sayyiban nafi'a. So when you see the rain, this is what you're supposed to say, Oh Allah, make it a beneficial rain. Make it a beneficial rain. That is what that means. Sayyiban nafi'a. Now there are other important things when it comes to rain very important is that this is a time to make dua very very good time to make dua this is a time where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends mercy the rain is a mercy it's beneficial to all mankind now something that is also a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is that when the rain would come that he would uncover parts of his body and he would touch the rain itself so it is from the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam to go and مثلاً, roll your sleeves up or take off your hat if you're wearing a hat and let the water reach your skin. Let the water reach your skin because this is from the more, most recent creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the rain was created just then. It's very close from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's quick to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, ra'dun is... What's confusing? Nothing? You with me? 
Okay. Ra'adun is the sound that is heard from the clouds. The actual sound. Which is what in English? Thunder. And the barq is what? The flash. Some of scholars have said it's the heat that comes from it. And it's the flash of light. The flash of light that appears from lightning. Which one comes first? Huh? Sound comes first or? Sure? Just making sure. خلاص. Now Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah Sound travels quicker or light travels quicker? Light? 100%? Okay. Now Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah He mentions that this is the, posi- that the position of Ali ibn Abi Talib And ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma And most of the mufassirin They state that Al-Ra'du with the alif and lam, Ar-Ra'du is the name of the angel who is in charge of the clouds. Ar-Ra'du is the name of the angel who is in charge of the clouds. Now there are certain angels who have certain responsibilities. Like for instance, Jibreel, who has the responsibility of revelation. And we have for instance, Munkar and Nakir, the questioners. We have, for instance, Ar-Ra'du, in charge of the clouds. You have Israfil, you have so many like this. And you have, who's the Khazin of Jahannam, who's the guardian of Jahannam? Huh? Malik, right? Which is the gatekeeper or the keeper of Jahannam. The keeper of Jahannam. Now, these angels, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has given them the ability to take charge of that which they are entrusted to do. So they don't have any ability in their own sense. Right? He, yani this angel, Ar-Ra'du, for instance, he doesn't control the clouds as he, see, as he sees fit. It is done under the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's very important that if you... Some people, they misunderstand and they believe that that which happens in the sky is from Ar-Ra'du or the angels or anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But any of the power that the angels have comes from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they are entrusted with these uh, jobs, as you would say, or entrusted with these... uh, Tasks, that's the word, tasks. And this is by who? The order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now it is said that the lightning, there are different aqwal of the lightning itself from the salaf. Very important. And some have said that this is the tasbih of this angel. That it is the tasbih of this angel. Others have said that it is the sound of the angel who is controlling the clouds of lightning itself. Some have said that it is a tasbih of the angel. Others have said that it is the sound of the angel controlling the clouds. And other things have been mentioned also that when he gets angry, for instance, that this is the sound of the anger. Now it is essential to note that these are the opinions of who? The mufassirin. Right? Those like Ibn Abbas, those like Ibn Mas'ud and other than them. And it was predominantly taken from the verse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
تسبح له السماوات السبع والأرض ومن فيهن وإن من شيء إلا يسبح بحمده ولكن لا تفقهون تسبيحهم The seven heavens and the earth and all the, that there is therein, they all glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They all make tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is nothing except that it does glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you do not understand its tasbih. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. That everything that exists is making tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it's a rock, a tree, a fish, a mountain, the sky, two rakat. Ah, done? Okay. I didn't see you, you were walking in. Whatever it is, whatever exists, all of it makes tasbih, regardless of what it is. Now, we just don't understand the method that this is done, or the mode that it's done. We don't understand how. This is from the ilmul ghaib. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says that everything makes tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you do not understand their glorification. Another verse, and this is in Surah Al-Isra, verse 44. Another verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, يُسَبِّحُ الرَّعْدُ بِحَمْدِهِ That the glorification of the ra'd, it happens by its praise. So over here, this is another example, uh, another base that they have used, these verses, to say that this is, for instance, the tasbih of this angel, right? Just to make sense of these verses and this was their understanding now something that is important to note is that this does not defy modern science okay this was the understanding that was there and modern science also has its own explanation of how it happens i have absolutely no clue absolutely no clue what the science says of how lightning and thunder happens i'm not going to even try but at the end of the day, we don't have clear-cut a hadith of the Prophet in this regard per se that it is the tasbih of this angel or it's the laugh of this angel or anything like that. This is just the opinions of the salaf in this regard. So many of the companions have taken that this is the tasbih of the skies and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now with the sa'iqah, with the sa'iqah that is mentioned in this verse, it is either an intense sound or the bolts, the intense bolts of thunder. Intense bolts of thunder, thunderbolts itself. Now, from this, Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says that any punishment that destroys is called a sa'iqah. Any punishment that destroys is called a sa'iqah. And it has been mentioned that this thunderbolt is the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon whom he wills. So it has been seen as a punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this dunya. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, he says, and this is found in At-Tirmidhi, he says that whenever al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would hear thunder and lightning, then he would say, Allahumma la taqtulna bi ghadabik. Oh Allah, do not kill us through your anger. Don't kill us while you're angry with us, oh Allah. وَلَا تُهْلِكْنَا بِعَذَابِكَ And do not destroy us with your punishment. وَعَافِنَا قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ And pardon us and forgive us before that. O oh Allah, forgive us before you're angry with us to the point where you need to destroy us, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, do not destroy us through your anger. And this is from 
the dua of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, some of the other companions made other dua with thunder, like Subhana alladhi yusabbihu ar-ra'du bihamdihi wal malaikatu min khifatih. Subhana. Good, mashallah. Subhana alladhi yusabbihu ar-ra'du bihamdihi wal malaikatu min khifatih. This is another dua that has been established from the Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, ajma'in. Now, Imam al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, he says that they put their fingers in their ear so they do not hear the Quran and believe in it and believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They place, يعني, what this actually means, what it's trying to resemble them to, is how hard and far they will go in trying to avoid the revelation of the Quran. Now something that was mentioned by Shaykh Uthman Khamis, right, is actually really nice. And he says that they try to put the entire finger in their ear, which is impossible. What can you put in your finger, from your finger in your ear? The fingertip, right? Which is showing you in a mubalikh state, which is in a state where it's telling you that this is the extent that they will try to go into, right? Try to completely cover their ears and allow nothing to come through. Now, that to them, right? To them listening to the Quran and becoming affected by it, that is what they were scared of. That is what they were scared of, and to them, that is death. That is the disbelief to them is death. Now, it has been narrated by some of the Salaf that the thunder is an angel, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, this verse, Imam al Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says it is a comparison made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the state of the hypocrites to the one who is in darkness. Surrounded by lightning and thunder. So it's like a hypocrite who is like, yani the example of the hypocrite is like someone who is surrounded in darkness, lightning and th- thunder. Now, as for the darkness, then that is what they believed in. What they had from the munafiqeen, from the nifaq, from the disbelief, that is what is the darkness itself. And the disbelief that they had in their creed, in their aqidah. And as for the lightning and the thunder, is that which they were afraid of. That which they were afraid of. He says that it has also been said that the reminders and the, the warnings they received is the sound of the thunder. The sound of the thunder is the warnings and the reminders that they received. From where? The Quran and the Sunnah. Right? So over here we have the verses that are calling them to be reminded of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the punishment of Jahannam, the favor of Jannah, this is what they were trying to avoid to hear, right? This is what they were f- fearful of. And the clear evidences and the light that is given to them, which can sometimes daze them and blind them, is the lightning. So sometimes they have those moments when the lightning strikes that they become dazed, dazzled, right? They don't know what's going on. Because at that moment, it is the clear evidences and the proofs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is established upon them. And the bolt of thunder is that which is in the Qur'an. The bolt of thunder is that which is in the Qur'an. He has, it has also been said that the bolt of, the th- of thunder, the sawa'iq, is that which they find difficult from the sharia. That which they find difficult from the sharia. Like jihad and zakah and other than it. So this is what they were fearful of يعني, being affected by. 
that if anything comes up until this point, if zakah and jihad comes, that's what they're scared of the most. They have to try to avoid these two things. And other than it, from that which requires hard effort, that which, that which requires a lot of sacrifice. Now Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses the disbelievers. He says that they will not escape Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This means that they will not escape Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says that it has also been mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of them. And it has also been mentioned in the tafasir that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will destroy them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will destroy them. He will take them into account. يَكَادُ الْبَرْقُ يَخْطَفُ أَبْصَارَهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the following verse, يَكَادُ الْبَرْقُ يَخْطَفُ أَبْصَارَهُمْ كُلَّمَا أَضَاءَ لَهُمْ مَشَوْ فِيهِ وَإِذَا أَظْلَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ قَامُوا وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ لَذَهَبَ بِسَمْعِهِمْ وَأَبْصَارِهِمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ The lightning almost snatches away their sight. Whenever it flashes for them, they walk therein. When the darkness covers them, they stand still. And if Allah had willed, He could have taken away their hearing and their sight. Certainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over all things. So the lightning that we mentioned, what did we say that it was? The evidence is in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And subhanAllah, when it flashes, they're able to go and then continue along this path. Because now the evidence has been laid bare for them. But when that light is removed, when the darkness covers them, then they stand still, staying in the state that they were in. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had willed, He wouldn't have given them the ability to see and hear in the first place. It is all from the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is over all things able. So over here, يَكَادُ الْبَرْقُ يَخْتَفُ أَبَصَارَهُمْ يَكَادُ means almost or close to, right? And يَخْتَفُ means that which is quickly taken away. So over here, the lightning was about to take away their sight completely. And this was close to happening. Then Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he mentioned something, he says, this lightning is what they fear. The lightning itself is what they fear. And if, they, if we take يعني, the fear that they have to mean the Qur'an, then it would mean they would have a fear from that which would be revealed to blind them. So for them, what did we say was death? Kufr for them, right? That they had to disbelieve in this because if they believed in it, then they would die. Right? So this is what they were fearful. They were fearful of believing in the Qur'an. They were fearful of being changed by the Qur'an. They were fearful of being moved by the Qur'an. This is what they were scared of the most. So they had to try to avoid it. Now Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says that when they hear the Qur'an, it is evident to them. It is evident to them. They know that it's the truth. They know that it's the truth. And they become guided by it. When they hear and يعني, hear the Qur'an, they become convinced by it that it's the truth. They become guided by it and they would walk along the path of the Qur'an, along with it. And when something they dislike is revealed, when something they dislike is revealed to them, something that is burdensome upon them, then they return back to their hypocrisy and stand firm and resilient upon their nifaq. 
They stand firm upon their hypocrisy. He says, it has also been narrated, also been mentioned, that they say that every time their lives improve, in their livestock, يعني, their sheep and their cows, if they have a good season, يعني, and in their fields, if their trees give good fruit, and blessings is bestowed upon them, يعني, from the ni'mah that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with, whether it was through ghanima or whatever it was, when there was blessings that was bestowed upon them, then they say the religion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a blessed religion. They're in it to win it. You know what I mean? As long as they get something, they're in it. And then, when the calamity, and this was narrated by Ibn Abbas, this is what they were upon. And what Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, and when a calamity is bestowed upon them, and they're made to face hardship, they become resentful. They hate it. They become resentful. And they become resolved in their hypocrisy. So when something happens to them in the dunya, which they dislike, then they attribute it back to Islam. And Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, this is a strong opinion. And what points to its correctness is the verse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ حَرْفِ فَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ خَيْرٌ اطْمَأَنَّ بِهِ وَإِنْ أَصَابَتْهُ فِتْنَةٌ قَلَبَ عَلَىٰ وَجْهِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, and among mankind is he who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if he were upon an edge, in doubt. If good befalls him, he is content with it. But if a trial befalls him, then he turns back on his face. So over here, there were these types of munafiqeen, that they were in it as long as they received some benefit. They associated anything good that came, Alhamdulillah, then it's from Allah. But then if anything evil came, even if it was from their own actions, then they would say this is from Islam. This is from this religion. So they would leave it because something bad happened to them. And this subhanallah is perhaps what many Muslims are facing today in their lives. They only pray when usually everything's all good. Something's, nothing's bad happened to them. But as soon as something happens to them in their faith, something happens to them in their lives, why should I worship Allah? What has He done for me? All these problems happen in my life. All of these issues happen in my life. And they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like the munafiqeen. And the opposite is true. The opposite is probably more common. That you only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when some drama happens in your life. <laughs> and one time, astaghfirullah, <laughs> there's a brother... And he, in the masjid, oh bro, I haven't seen you in ages. It's like, yeah, man, going through a hard time. Sure, what happened, Habib? What's wrong? What's wrong? The reason that he gave me for him coming to the masjid at this time was because he had broken up with someone who was not his, his wife and someone that he wasn't, yeah, and he's supposed to even be with in the first place. Now, I'm not saying if you have a girlfriend or anything like that, don't come to the masjid, but I'm saying. Everyone's welcome in the masjid. Don't, don't be mean, Dilshad. Now, everyone's welcome in the masjid. This is the place of tranquility. This is the place of security. This is the place where you're supposed to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's open for everyone. But the point that I'm saying here is, is that they only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when a problem happens. If يعني, they are caught doing something, subhanallah, tahajjud. Tahajjud. Right? It's if they get caught and they're young, you're usually still living with their parents. And they are caught doing something. Then it's all night dua. Ya Allah, please. Ya Allah, please. Ya Allah, please. 
you know, phone gets confiscated or something. Then the iman comes back into their heart. Everything now, masha'Allah, back into square one, and they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Only in the times of difficulty. And if you don't, يعني, some of the salaf would say, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the times of ease, so that in the times of difficulty, He will take care of you. And subhanallah, we have so many ahadith regarding this issue, is so much so that if a person would be consistent and continuous upon a worship, if he was consistent and continuous upon a worship, and then something came, and it became an obstacle from him to performing that worship like sickness, then he would get the reward of that which he was consistent upon. So for instance, the best example that I have is if anyone prior COVID lockdown, right, the whole stream gets shut down. Now if someone before the lockdown, <laughs> if someone before the lockdown, right, was accustomed to coming to the masjid in its time, then for every single day of the lockdown that he was unable to come to the masjid, he would have the reward of coming to the mosque. Because there was an obstacle, a hajj is here. Something that prevented him from coming to the masjid. For every day he was praying in his room, he could have been having the reward of praying in the masjid. Or if you fall sick and you're used to fasting Mondays and Thursdays, and you're unable to fast it because of a sickness that has come to you, whatever the sickness, and you're unable to fast, you get the reward inshaAllah. This is the beauty, the karam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what it is it based on? That you take care of the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the times of ease. So that when the times of difficulty comes, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of you. And subhanAllah, you know the hadith of 5 before 5? He uses his free time before he's busy, his health before sickness, his young age before his old age. All of these these five things that Nabi Sallallahu mentions, this is the peak of this hadith, right? this understanding. That you use your time properly. Your times of ease properly, so that when you are يعني, in a face, in a time of difficulty, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of you. Now, there is another statement uh, by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. It has been narrated that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he said that this is regarding the Jews. This is regarding the Jews. So far, everything has been about the Munafiqeen. But what this opinion states, what this uh, narration states is that they were content with the battle of Badr when it had occurred and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was victorious so over here when the Muslims had won the battle and they had taken quite amassed quite a well a lot of wealth from that which they had taken from the spoils of war so they said this is the prophet that was promised to us by Musa alayhi salam this was the prophet that was promised to us but when they were defeated in Uhud, they returned back to their kufr and they had doubts. Now the problem with this, Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah says that it's not authentic. It's not authentic after all that. Yeah. It's not authentic. And he says that this verse is regards, in, in regards to the hypocrites. And it is more authentically transmitted to Ibn Abbas that he said that it is about the hypocrites. He has an opinion that it is regarding the hypocrites. And the meaning of the verse covers them that this verse applies to all the hypocrites and the Jews in al Medina and those who have their traits. If Imam al he says that this means that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had willed, he could have exposed them to the believers. 
So what this actually means, so in the verse says, if Allah wills, He could have taken away their hearing and their sight. He could have taken it away. So what this means here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have exposed these munafiqeen to all of the believers. And what would be the result of them being exposed in this dunya is that they would be what? They would lose the honor of Islam, lose the honor of all of the things we mentioned last week, that they were able to marry Muslim women, they were able to take part, partake in that which was the spoils of war, they were able to take the benefits, the monetary and the protection benefits that came with being a Muslim. All of this would be removed from them. The honor of Islam would be removed from them. And also what would be a result of this would be death. Would be death. Because these people were traitors to the state. These people were treasonous to the state. These people were working for the corruption against the state. Even today that is a, yani punishable by capital punishment in many governments across the world. Right? You get tried in a military court and ma'as-salam and he gets sent to the desert and gonskis. Now, that actually happens. If you do treason in even America today, treason, right, is when you work against the state. So imagine you have a body, right? You have these things, and يعني, you're working for Russia on the darkies. Right? You're working for China on the darkies. Now, over here, that is, يعني, in this country, I'm pretty sure it's life imprisonment, mass salama, you're gone skis, you know what I mean? You're just done. But that is, يعني, in the Islamic context, in the Sharia and the Hudud, is punishable by death. Now, Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he mentions that the, they would be removed from the honor of Islam, they would be executed and removed from amidst the believers. Inna allaha ala kulli shay'in qadir, that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to do all things. In this verse, we learn يعني, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to do all things and that this is from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Qadir, Al-Qadir, the all-able. Now, something that is important is that, and this is يعني, a refutation of all of those people that say stupid things like, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala able to create a deity that is like him? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala able to create a rock that is so big that even he can't move it? Is All these stupid things, right? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to do that which is befitting to what? His divine attributes and his divine qualities. So Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says that he can do all things, whatever he wants to do, in accordance to his knowledge and choice. In accordance to his knowledge and choice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to do anything he chooses to do, and what he will do is ultimately befitting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not go against his qualities. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not go against his divine essence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do, not do anything that is un-godlike. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not do anything that goes against his divine nature. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like some people say, can Allah oppress someone? Right? If Allah is able to do all things, can he oppress someone? Now this goes against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about himself. That Allah does not oppress anyone. So if we say that he is able to oppress, and we can't say this, it's not something that is permissible. We say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has denied this upon himself. That he will never oppress anyone. So this is the divine quality of the one that you were saying, you're talking about. So it's like, يعني, I like this example that some of the brothers were saying, that it's an illogical question. يعني, how many legs does the sun walk on? It sounds stupid to begin with. 
Right? It sounds like it's a good question. Well, how many, how many legs does the sun walk on? You know what I mean? But in reality, it's, it's, it's a non-logic, it's a, it's a question with no logic. It's a question that is stupid. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, He has qualities. He has attributes, right? There is a, a system of how we understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the easiest method to understand Him is through His rububiyyah, which is His divine nature as a Lord, right? To affirm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His Lordship. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all things. He's the one who maintained all things. He's the one who يعني, uh, provides for all things. This is, يعني, all of these things is the divine nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His characteristics and His attributes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a razzaq He provides for all people. He provides for everything. Everything that you have is from al-Razzaq. And then he is the most just. He is the most just. So over here we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-wise. So over here it's not wise for a creator to create another creator so that they can rival one another. It goes against the actual nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not logical to say that he can have another creator that will then be stronger than him. It's stupidity. That's not wisdom. So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do anything that He wants that's in accordance to His nature, His essence. And that is the, the understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being the all-able. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala having all ability. The ability to do whatever He wants in a way befitting His majesty, in a way befitting His divine nature and divine essence. So inshallah, this is part one of... These two verses. Next week, insha'Allah, we're going to conclude the tafsir of these two verses together. And we need to take some very important aqwal of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, yarhamakallah. We're going to take some important yani, uh, characteristics of the munafiqeen and the important commentary by Imam al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, of why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't just take care of the munafiqeen, why didn't he just kill them? Why didn't he just take care of them? If he knew who they were, he had a list of them. Why didn't he take care of them at that moment and just avoid all the fitna that came from them? But we need to take this together, insha'Allah, next week. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wa jazakumullahu khaira. Wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.